0: I love this church I love what god 's doing with all of us and 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 let me to that to that end let me give you just a brief uh, report on the on the tipping point I know some of you have been asking and so and we we just kind of wanted some of the most of the first uh, part of the cards to come in we had a wonderful response uh, thank you so much for those of you who um, s- uh, submitted your commitments on, on, via the cards um, we had uh, yeah. Well, what, just a second. Just a second. I'm, I'm coming. Okay. We had uh, to to begin with. Uh, so far, 1,358 household, thousands of people have, have said I'm I'm in. Okay. Now you can applaud. Now you can. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> They're back here going. Come on. One get one by clap. And some just hundreds of people took the next step for hundreds of people. This is their first time. Uh, ever. Um, and so we just thank you so much. Uh, the average increase for those who submitted uh, and had been giving, the average increase um, as they prayed to the Lord, said, what would you have me do? Average increase was 38% increase uh, in the response of giving. Yeah, you can do that. It's just terrific. Um, and, and if you um, this is an ongoing invitation, because we want everybody to get involved at some level. Um, and so if you uh, have not yet uh, committed, I know many of you are, are giving and you haven't said, well, I don't need a piece of paper. Well, you're right. But let me to, tell you two advantages of this. Number one, the, the elders know better how to, how to plan. So far, the projection um, is um, you've committed $31 million uh, for the next two years. That's a big deal. That's a big, yeah, you can do that. That's a big deal. But the second thing is, when I find when I make a promise, I keep it. Uh, and so it's not just, well, I know I'm going to continue to give. It's, it's the making of a promise to God. These aren't legally binding documents, by the way. Uh, this is just between you and God. But, but, the, but, the, but the point is that it, it does serve a purpose. And so if you are um, a, a person with a regular income, um, this would be the one you would fill out. Um, and 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 it's just an agreement to pray and to kind of listen to God and put down what He says. If you're someone who doesn't have a regular income, like student, or someone uh, in a correctional facility, or anybody else, just didn't have a regular the green one. Fill that out because that emphasizes um, your um, your talent and your time. Um, uh, rather than just your treasure. And not uh, All of us are, are in that category as well. Let me, uh, the most fun thing for me in all of this is not just that we're all praying now together and we're all committing our lives together, but it's the stories that come in. And I just want to read you a few of the stories of people who just kind of sent this along with their card. It's just, because this is the real point, The the Oh, you saw you saw Jude get after it, didn't you? That was awesome. His mama's down here. Um, anyhow, um, and 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 Jude is Pete's son. Pete is our uh, worship leader, and so that's never mind. Uh, just a just filling you in here. But listen to some of these stories. I love these stories. Paul, along with his wife um, and family, recently moved back to Orlando um, and started coming to Northam When they did. Um, And he said, from the very first visit, we felt so welcomed. I cannot express how happy my wife and I are with the kids program. We've not missed a Sunday since we've been uh, back roughly three months. They literally run to their classrooms. Um, Paul never really considered how um, his financial and spiritual lives are so tightly linked. Uh, But he said, I know our commitment is not the largest, but it's a start. Uh, and we just keep trying to take the next step. Well, that's very much the point, isn't it? Um, Susan, married for 16 years and her husband accepted the Lord two years ago. Um, They're growing in their faith and because of tipping point, they've started to give. Uh, They are praying um, uh, their initial giving would be multiplied by the Holy Spirit with the hopes of being able to tithe soon. Mike, Knew about the importance of giving, but used to give what he, out of what he had left over at the end of the month, with the way a lot of people give. Um, but Mike, along with his family, prayed about the decision to put God first in their budget and start tithing. It was a big commitment. Uh, some things needed to be uh, changed in their lifestyle. But he said this, knowing that you are putting God first and seeing how he provides such a blessing, I wish we would have done this years ago. Um, the Lord blessed Debbie and her husband um, uh, not just with money but with a great marriage and good health uh, and being able to care for both of their mothers she says he the Lord has entrusted us with money which we have tithed at our church and help others in need but we took the next step in extravagant giving with the goal to give away 50% of what we have we are getting close with God's help. By giving, more to our, by giving more, our church is able to help more people. Um, uh, when the volunteers were passing out uh, the tipping point brochures um, in the female section of Seminole County, some, one of the inmates stood up and said, this isn't mainly about money. And she challenged the other inmates to take the next step in their faith commitment toward God. That's the, that's the cool thing. Um, there was another uh, person who wrote from Seminole County who said, I'm, uh, when I get out, I'm coming to Northland. I'm going to start giving to, to God because this is my church. This is my church. And that's the point. This is our church. We're in this together. We had stories of little kids, you know, who one little kid brought a, a ring valuable to him and, and just wanted to give it. You know, another little kid didn't, she, she, she didn't have money, but she drew pictures of her and Jesus, wanted to bring them as an offering. This little girl came in a few weeks ago, brought her entire piggy bank full of coins, wanted to give it to Jesus. That, see, that's, you can't estimate the impact of the kingdom, the impact on the kingdom that those kinds of offerings have. And then one, one more. Just I, I, could, I could read these all day. But Lisa, Lisa's husband lost her job. Lost his job last year. Um, but they trusted God. Through the difficulties. Uh, and the uncertainty. Uh, and they said all the while. God showed his faithfulness. And then. Uh, Lisa said Northland was there for us as a family. During that whole time. Our faith was deepened. And our church was a refuge. Through relationships and worship. Now. Returning to full-time employment a, le- a year later, we jumped at the opportunity to take the next step in giving. And extravagant giving uh, comes as a celebration, knowing that God owns it all. How, we can, how can we not give to him who, who has given so much to us? Well, that's just pretty much the story, and that's the report. Um, we're just a bunch of grateful people. Who recognize that we don't really own anything God gives us what we have and we want to share it to his glory and to others good and so again I cannot thank you enough for being with us uh, in this journey together it will have an impact on the whole world it'll have an impact on our community and our church but it will have an impact on your life and so stay tuned Let's continue with the Advent series as we prepare for the coming of Christ, not just to celebrate what happened 2,000 years ago, but to be swept into the story of God today so that he can use all of us to come in the form of Christ through our lives. Last week I told you that sometimes, part that, a part of that story is, is people on a long journey. Some of the best things in life come only at the end of a long journey, and so we need patience. We need to be patient with God. We need to be patient with each other. We need to be patient with ourselves. Stop expecting yourself to do more than you have, watch, Never lose sight of the goal, take the next step, and then you will do more than you have, but quit beating yourself up for what you've not done so far, all right? Stop it. So some long journeys take perseverance and patience, but then there's another part of the Christmas story, and that is of events that come unexpectedly that are so shocking that the rest of your life will never be the same. These are not only interruptions of life, these are disruptions of life. And I speak specifically as an example of what happened to Mary. As you have heard it read that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, little no-account city, no-account town. Most of us came from no-account towns. And, and to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, what does that mean? It means he came into where she was. It was just she and him confronted with an angel. We've, we've sung a lot about angels today. But the main function of an angel is just to be a messenger. That's what an angel does, just delivers a message. And so he said to her, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Some of your versions that you heard read, she was deeply troubled. Some of you have had events in your life and you were deeply troubled. And and I'm I'm gonna tell you the normal reaction to that is is one of three all right first of all when we have something traumatic happen to our lives whether it's good or bad our first inclination is to deny it that really didn't happen i'm going to ignore it to see if it will go away it's, it's usually what we do ah. the second reaction is just that to react to overreact to interrupt, to want to respond to the first thing you've heard, not helpful, not helpful. Why? Because God waits for the third reaction. Here's the third reaction, It was a, it's the reaction Mary had. She was deeply troubled, but she didn't respond immediately. She pondered, she thought about it, she waited for more information. That's what we need to do, by the way, when something traumatic happens in our personal lives or in our country. Yes, it's no accident that I'm preaching to you today after one of the most traumatic weeks we've ever had as a country. And I want you to take this message to heart. God wants us, after the model of a little teenage girl, to have the maturity to not immediately react I'm gonna say more about that in just a second. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name, uh, shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to this angel, how? How can this be? Since I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now stop, stop right there. Do you think she understood what he just said? She didn't have a clue. What does it, what? What do you mean? But here's what she didn't do. She didn't chase it down and say, give me details on that. Because you can't give details on the Holy Spirit. And you can't understand the depths of the mysteries of God. She knew enough to say, there's gonna be a part of this I don't understand. I just gotta keep listening. And then he points her, and this is next week's sermon, to her kinsman, Elizabeth. Behold, even your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. In other words, there's two impossibilities here. One, a woman too old to have a baby, and the other is a woman who's never known a man. Both impossible. But look at the next sentence. It says, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me, according to your word and the angel departed. How do you react, how do we react to disruptions in our lives that are so shocking that we realize we've come to a whole new season of life. It's never gonna quite be the same again. Hopefully, we don't react emotionally. Hopefully, merely emotionally. Hopefully, we react both intelligently and spiritually. That's what God has for us in this lesson. God has put us down here to make progress, not to be cowed by events, Not to be intimidated by events, not to wish we had someone else's life. You know, we don't want to be special. We just want to be like everybody else. Think of Mary. I mean, she was thinking, I was gonna have a normal life. It was gonna be normal, you know, as what she thought was normal. You know, nobody has a normal life, but nobody else knows that. So I was going to be like other. I was. I was. I was getting ready to get married to a good man, good job carpenter. You know, he's he's of the line of David. That's a big deal. This was a big deal. This was. This was fantastic. I'm just going to have a normal life. And then this interruption. Somebody once said, the opposite of courage is not cowardice. It's conformity. In other words, I just want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be unique. I don't want to have a special role. Well, let me just tell you this. It's too late. God made every one of you unique. God gave every one of you a special role that no one else can fill. You you don't have to be Mary. You just need to be you. The opposite of courage is not cowardice. It's conformity and so we need this voice remember ralph you sit over here ralph he just went to be with the lord recently he's like 90 years old and when he was young he was in the french foreign legion is that cool and they had kind of a motto they had kind of a saying and i can't translate it from the french french and i probably won't even get it right in english but it went something like this if i hesitate push me if I fall pick me up if I retreat shoot me (laughs) God challenges us because he has something that will come through that challenge that wouldn't come any other way you don't drift into significance it's important for us To face what God has done, to lean into it, not back from it, to ask for more questions so that we can be reassured that we really understand what is happening and to be open to further information as we go along, but to go along and not to worry about it. You know, most of our response is worry. Do you know how many verses there are in the Bible saying not to worry, not to be afraid, not to be anxious? The Bible's full of that. Mother Teresa once said this, I love this. Worry is a mild form of atheism. That is, you only need to worry if you really don't think God's in charge. You really only need to worry if you really don't think God's in control. And let me tell you another mild form of atheism trying to take control of things you can't control. Trying to take control of things you can't control. That's part of our initial reaction. I'll just outstrong them. I'll just I, I will just Do you know that's one of the oldest temptations in our history, our spiritual history? Do you remember the garden? How God put the man and the woman there to cultivate it and to keep it. Gave them all the trees except for one. Says, "But don't trust don't 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 partake of that tree." And then the serpent came, and what did the serpent say? This was the temptation. Genesis 3, chapter four and five, or verses 4 and 5. The serpent said to the woman, You surely won't... die. What's it going to do? Man, most of you are tempted into sin by a voice that says, What's it going to kill you? See? Is that going to kill you? Well, uh, yeah, that's the devil. That is the devil. You hear that voice? What's it going to kill you? That's the devil talking. You need to recognize that. You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Yeah, that's what I want. I want to have the control. I don't want to depend on God. I want to be God. I don't want to give control of my life to him. I want to control my own life. I want to have all the resources I want to have. How's that going for you? See, when we're little, we take up a false idea that we, to our own injury, maintain for the rest of our life. And that is, if we can just stay with something persistently long enough, we can irritate other people into bending to our will. You ever gone to the store and just one aisle over, especially a toy store, you can hear a kid say to his mom, "I want it, I 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 want it," and she'll say, "No, we didn't come for that." "I want it, I 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 want it." it will get louder because it's every kid's business to figure out how to push the parents' buttons. It's you know that's what kids do. There's no morality. They're just what will work. And then you'll hear the mom say this. You're embarrassing me. Stop that. What does he do? Now he knows he's got some traction. So it increases. I want, I want, and then she'll go, God, okay, it's not that big a deal. Shut up. He just won. What just happened there? He learned this. If there's a big enough cause, it will have, a, uh, it will have an effect and therefore I'm in control. That's what I just learned. <laughs> now what? When he gets married, do you think he'll get control by being irritating enough? How does that work? When he goes into a business, do you think he will get control by being irritating and insistent enough? By intimidating others enough? Not in the long run. You see, we gain this idea somehow falsely that we can have the control we don't have. And we will never have. That's why we keep singing God is in control because we've got to remind ourselves of that fact. There are a couple of things we need to understand and they're they're kind of counterbalancing. Number one, God wants us to be able to be strong enough to defend our dignity, our, our who we are. Um, and, and, and defend ourselves from attack, quite, quite frankly. Um, it says in um, Luke chapter 2, um, or chapter 22, I'm sorry, it, it talks about the Lord said, somewhere along the line, he said, hey, sell some of what you have and get a sword. Get a sword. Now, what was a sword? It's just a weapon to defend yourself. All right? And when... They got into a situation where the whole Roman army, where they were facing the whole force of Rome. One of his disciples came up to him and said, this is Luke twenty-two thirty-eight. 38. Look, here are two swords. And he said to them, that's enough. What? Enough for what? Enough for self-defense, not enough for, watch this, Control you understand this, in other words it's okay when we when we talk about the Americans have the right to own a gun to defend themselves, the answer would be yeah, but somewhere in between we have the right to own what will god God forbid to defend ourselves somewhere in between that and Yeah, let's sell guns to crazy people and terrorists. Somewhere in between there is an intelligent spiritual response that doesn't make us react to a bad event, that grows us up into people who understand that this isn't a problem of force that will be solved by force. This is a problem that will only be solved by changing a culture. And you only change the culture. Yeah, come on. You only change the culture by seeding it with something better than just fear and paranoia. That's what the distributed church is about. And so this is what this is what it says in, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 51 through 53. Same, same type of verse. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached in. This is when the the Romans are coming. You know, coming for Jesus. Reached in, drew out his sword, struck off the slave of the high priest and cut his ear. Struck the slave of the high priest, cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place. For all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you not think I could appeal to my father? and he would at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? This isn't a force deal. I've got the force. We just, we just talked about the God of angel armies. We depend on the God of angel armies, not the angel armies. We, we put God in control. See, that's the difference between us trying to take control of things that we can't control so many of you are trying to control your marriage. You can't control your marriage. You're trying to control your kids. You can't control your kids, not by force. Now, should you make rules and, and make sure they're, and hold people accountable? Absolutely. If you don't, we're all going to be in trouble. But it, you can't change a life by force, you can't change a culture by force. As a matter of fact, when Jesus sent out his disciples, As as lambs among, among wolves, he took away their power. Watch this. Luke chapter 10, verses three and four, and then verse six. He said, go behold, I send you, two by two, remember, out as lambs in the midst of wolves. What's the first thing you think about? Buddy, I better be ready to defend myself. I'm a lamb in the midst of wolves. And what did he say? But don't take any money. I don't want you to think you can buy your way into what you need. Don't take any extra supplies. Don't take any shoes. What was that about? What do you mean, no shoes? Because shoes were a sign of dignity and status. Remember that old Negro spiritual when, when we all get to heaven, we're going to put on our shoes and walk all over heaven? That was a dream of dignity someday. That was being, being a person being treated with respect. He said, don't even go demanding respect. And watch this. Don't even greet anybody. In other words, I don't want you to recruit a lobby for your cause. I don't want you to think you can do this thing politically. No. When you go into a person's home, and by the way, there's no guarantee this will work every time. You understand? That's what faith means. If you think you just got a better formula for influence, that's another form of taking control, isn't it? And so sometimes this will work and sometimes it won't. He says, he says um, 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 go back to the, to the Luke passage. He says, um, if a man of peace is there, then your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. But it's the only way God wants us to react to these disruptive and very personal events in our lives. He wants us to come to him and he wants us to realize we're not the cause, he is. That we're in the middle of this situation because he sees potential here, not only for the depth of our faith, but for the effect of his cause. We are not the cause, He is. We are the effect, therefore we need to pray. And we need to pray on basically four levels, All right. First level is a prayer everybody prays. Everybody prays this prayer, pagans pray this prayer. When we go to God and we ask what we want. There's nothing wrong with this. You know, a loving parent wants to know what his kid wants. And so, it's okay to ask what you want. It is. And some of, us try, some of us try his promises on him. Lord, I read this promise in the book, therefore you have to do it for me. God's going, really? Seriously? What, your attorneys just beat my attorneys? What is that? You know? No. God will fulfill his promise in his way with his timing. You don't hold God to anything, all right? The promises were just meant generally to give us encouragement to trust God. He will answer your prayers and it will be the best answer you could possibly have for you and for his plan plan in your life. Now watch. What happens when he doesn't give you in your mind what you ask for? One of three things is going to happen. Number one, you'll just say, well, I've had it with God. It doesn't work. And so therefore, I'm not going to trust so much in him anymore. Number two, you'll go to a prayer seminar for effective prayer, which is French for, I'm going to just find another way to get God to do what I want him to do. I must not be doing it right, you know. Or number three, you'll be driven to level two, the level two of prayer. Level two is this. God, I don't have to have what I ask you for. I still have faith in you. I still have confidence in you. But I'd like to know why. I'd like to know why you did this. I'd like to know why you didn't do that. I'd like to know why me. And sometimes he'll give you an inkling. Never a full understanding. Never enough where you go, oh. You know? Because the ways of God are so much higher than our ways, the thoughts of God are so much higher than our thoughts. But sometimes he'll give you an English. Sometimes you won't have a clue. And you'll say, "I don't get it." And then you have a choice. You can stay mad because God didn't measure up to your expectations. Or you can go to the third level of prayer. And the third level of prayer says this. God, I don't have to get my way. I don't even have to understand what you're doing. But I would like to have somewhere along the way a peace that passes understanding. I'd love to have just somebody that either gets what I'm going through, that's where we're going to go next week with the sermon. He did provide Mary, somebody who gets what she's going through. Or I'd like to have a sense of closeness to you that is so palpable that, that, that I, can, I can, it's okay. And sometimes you get it, and sometimes you don't. If you were going to be honest with me, If you were gonna be honest, truly honest with other believers who came to you and say, I know you're going through a horrible time or I know you're going through a wonderful time, don't you just sense the closeness of God? Some of you would have to say, no, I feel totally abandoned. I don't sense his closeness. I feel forsaken. You know, the only choice you have from there is to either stop believing and becoming more depressed or go to the fourth level. And this is the deepest level of prayer there is. God, I don't have to get what I want. I don't have to understand. I don't even have to have a sense of companionship. I just want to be used. Behold a handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to your will. That's all I need. I just need to know that somehow you're gonna use my life to further your purpose. You're the cause, I'm the effect. That's all I want to know and when you come to that level there's a celebration in life because if that's all the expectation you have for yourself and the rest of it is just rooted in faith that says God is not only existing but he's working through you through this circumstance you don't know what to do with. If all you can pray is I'm yours, do with me what you want. That is the deepest prayer of all. God, glorify yourself. That's all I want. You know, we were trained, I'll I'll close with this, and I I wanna have a prayer. I wanna have a prayer of salvation and a prayer of commitment. We were trained from the time we were little out of people who loved us and were trying to protect us to be very suspicious, very careful, not to, not to greet any good news with, I'm all in, And to treat every bit of bad news like I knew it, that's the way the world is. But that makes for a pretty hopeless kind of life. Leonard Sweet once said, we were trained for criticism, not for celebration. Christmas is a time when we need to be retrained for celebration. We belong to a good God who works all things, watch this, for good, according to his purposes, for those who love him on, on, and, and, and are living according to his purposes. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called to call. We belong to a good God who is working good in our life. We need to celebrate. We need to celebrate that. We need to walk Not in carefulness, but in courage. Not in doubt, but in absolute faith. That whatever is going on in our life right now, God's going to use that beyond whatever could have been used if everything had gone according to our own expectations. God's got a plan for your life. He's working it. Celebrate.